This podcast is brought to you by Google for Games. It takes more than a collection of tools to help you bring your gaming vision to life. With cross-platform solutions that give you access to billions of potential players around the world, Google is your partner to create great games, connect with players, and scale your business. Visit g.co slash Google for Games or go to the link in the podcast description below. And if you ask me, Google for Games is the destination to learn more about game solutions and latest research and insights from Google's gaming teams to help you achieve your goals. If you're not driving or working out while listening to this podcast, I really suggest you fire up that browser and check out Google for Games. Today's global gaming marketplace, your players want to pay how they want, when they want, and where they want. Accepting localized forms of payments and keeping up with what's trending is key to growing your gaming business and to finding new untapped markets. That's where Exola Payments comes in. With just one simple integration, you'll be connected to over 700 localized preferred payment methods on a global scale including bank cards, digital wallets, mobile payments, cash kiosks, gift cards, special offers, and more. Plus, with Exola acting as your merchant of record, they assume the risk of cost of complex VATs, sales taxes, laws, and regulations. Leave every transaction to the experts while you focus on retaining and expanding your audience. You can get started today. Just head over to exola.pro slash paystation or look for the link in the description of this episode. Exola Payments, it's what your gaming business needs to succeed. Welcome to This Week in Games, episode number 206. I was out last week. I was appearing on CNBC, and I had a conflict. I had to make the tough choice to <laughs> record Twig or to go on CNBC. I chose CNBC. No offense, uh, but I'm back, and we're here today with Mr. Eric Kay and Mrs. Lauren T. How are you both doing? Laura, sorry. I said Lauren. Laura, edit. <laughs> it's fine. Eventually, y'all get my name right. It's totally fine. <laughs> Eric, any basketball updates or what's going on? Oh, <laughs> sorry. I have my, uh, my headset went out. Um, no, no, no real basketball updates. Uh, they lost to this damn team. It's just our nemesis this year, this season. But uh, he starts on the super team next week with, um, that, that goes to this thing called Made Hoops. So that's going to be the big updates is these big Made Hoops, like national tournaments that are happening. Um, on, a, on, a, on a podcast note, we are, I am starting a new series called One-on-Ones with Eric. Eric's One-on-Ones, actually. So I'm talking to industry people about things, subjects that I'm interested in. And so I think the first one's going to drop on Friday, if I'm not mistaken, with uh, WeHype, which does um, uh, influencer marketing, which I thought was really interesting about how that stuff works. So I got the chance to talk to them about that. And the next one's going to be about uh, talking to Convoy, um, you know, VC, you know, how that shit works and what's going on in a world in which valuations are down like 80% for most of these companies. So, <laughs> um, anyway, so that, yeah, that's kind of the big update for that. Um, and yeah, and I guess we'll just 
move on. Is that is that so? Wait, so uh, Eric's one on ones is that a Twig production or is that oh, sorry a DOF production or how yeah? I'm oh, sorry, that is a, that? that is a, a DOF production. So trying trying to help fill in the gaps because Ethan's doing a lot, but uh, trying to fill in the gap for um, Mr. Mishka. Cool, can't wait to hear about it. All right, uh, shall we jump into quick updates? I guess I've got the first one. Um, Age of Empires Mobile announced during the Age of Empires 25th anniversary celebration. This comes from toucharcade.com. Um, now, what the article does acknowledge is that there have been Age of Empires mobile games published in the past. There was Age of Empires Castle Siege, which started out as a Windows phone game, and then Age of Empires World Domination, uh, which, which I guess got canceled during soft launch. But now um, Xbox Game Studios has announced uh, that its internal studio, World's Edge, will produce a new Age of Empires game, which is titled Age of Empires Mobile. And I'm very excited about it. They, they published a, a trailer, which looks great. I was a big Age of Empires fan in high school era, I guess. Uh, a little bit of college. Uh, loved playing Age of Empires. That was uh, a, a genre-defining game, in my opinion, and uh, I'm really excited to. I'm really excited to see what they potentially bring to mobile. What makes me less excited about this is, you know, I don't want the nostalgia to be ruined, <laughs> as it oftentimes is when you just take IP from a classic game um, and wrap it around a pretty generic mobile game that doesn't hew at all to the gameplay mode of the original, right? So I'm going to be bummed out if Age of Empires is just sort of like a, a pretty run-of-the-mill uh, 4X strategy game. That's, that's not really what Age of Empires was uh, on desktop, but we'll see. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt, um, and I'm excited to see what they come up with. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it is a great IP, and it kind of, go, if, if, if they can make it in a more like mobile-friendly way, but if they try to replicate Age of Empires on mobile, that, that won't work. That's not going to work, right? Yeah, that's a very, very complex game. Very depth, yeah. deep game. Right. Miss Laura? I got nothing on Age of Empires. Um, I, I, I can channel your excitement, Seifert, though. That would, <laughs> that would be... <laughs> um, it's, it, yeah, I'd say it's probably, probably not going to play it. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> All right, Marvel Snap. All right, so we actually have a, a recent game launch that came out a couple weeks, uh, October 18th, Marvel Snap. Now, this was a uh, publisher developer is Newverse and Second Dinner. Um, uh, I'm going to go over a little bit high level. Please, you two jump in. Um, I, I just want to preface this by saying one thing. If I'm Usually if I'm playing and I like a mid-core based game, I feel like that is not a good sign for the game itself because the games I tend to like are a little bit more niche, and that is a little bit of a, uh, not, a not a good sign for the game. Um, so I say that half, half joking, but I actually, I kind of, for me, I kind of like this game because it's a little casual, and I think it's going to be a little too casual for a lot of mid-core players. But let's see, it's early days. They can still, I think there's a lot of features they still need to develop, and if they add the depth that I think more mid-core players will want, then I think... It'll it'll be it'll do much better. But um, just high level looking at this, uh, these games tend to. So this is a card battler game. 
Um, and these games tend to, I, I would expect they'd be leaning heavily into the a battle pass. And it seems like they have. But when I've gone in to try to purchase it, I actually can't, at the moment, I can't purchase any sort of upgrade to a battle pass yet. Have either of you seen this in this game? Yeah, I, I did see that there was the ability to pay $15 to get to uh, accelerate the battle pass. but uh... I do, It's not even an option for me. I, I could be in a test. I don't know. Um. Well, hopefully it is in there because that would be my first critique and be my first concern that they wouldn't that the the monetization would be difficult for this game. But that the I don't even have an option to purchase a battle pass. Um, I do have a introductory purchase package, but that was that was pretty much it. Um, so that's one. I don't know. They I, I imagine then it's some sort of test to see how what the uplift would be from a season pass versus the rest of the IEPs. Um, the, the the monetization loop. Otherwise, I mean, there's gold. You buy credits. You use credits to buy upgrades. What I find interesting that I haven't that I've seen other games on that I haven't seen in this is that there's. The upgrades are, you're not really upgrading the power of the card. So as you're building your deck, I would assume that I would want to lean into what are the ways I can actually make my deck stronger because I'm playing PvP versus other players. Um, and that doesn't, I don't see a way to do that at the moment. The upgrades are purely visual. And that, that's, how they're, that's actually how they're linking the rest of their progress in the game, which is you upgrade your card for its visual effect, and that actually unlocks the ability to get more cards, or it unlocks more cards for you. You can still buy cards, um, which I thought was an interesting take on this. And this seems to me like they were looking for an alternative to a proper gotcha system. Yeah, this is like gotcha light. To some, it's, it's, gotcha it's like light. it's gotcha kind of obscured <laughs> by, yeah. yeah. It's 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 actually a really interesting, um, more friendly way of monetization, which may or may not work longer term. We will see. I would be worried it wouldn't. I would be worried it wouldn't work. Um, but let let's see what happens. Um, the gameplay is interesting. What I, there's a couple of things. The gameplay is a little slow. I do hope they speed that up a bit. Matches take a little bit too long, in my opinion, and and it's not because of of delay of, of choosing what your action is, but it actually has to do with how they play out the round. Um, but what I like about this game is the center board buffs. Now, some of them are, or anti-buffs, some of them are, these are gonna, I think, gonna make or break a little bit of the gameplay. Some of them are really good, and then some of them are a little bit strange. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping that in the next coming weeks, they're gonna figure out which ones work well and which ones don't. But it does add, it does add a dimension to gameplay that I personally have not seen in other, in other games similar to this. Um, I'd like to point out that uh, just as I've played this a bunch, I actually have only lost one match, and I've played at least 20. So I feel like I'm doing pretty well. Yeah, because you're playing bots. You're playing the bots. <laughs> I'll take it. Don't, I'll don't, take yeah, don't, don't think you're a genius. You're just playing bots. I was like, I'm so good at this game. I'm so good at this game. Um, you know what? Oh, well, you know what I always wondered about that? Because you hear about that, like, design choice. It's like, hey, we're going to make sure that the user wins early on, right? Like, they want to get motivated. They want to feel optimistic. They want to they feel flattered that they're so good at this game. I always, I feel, and, and this is not, this is just purely subjective, and I've never done any sort of analysis of this, and I'm sure it, it bears out in the analysis. But just, like, intuitively, I feel like if I was playing a strategy game, I'd be more motivated to keep playing if I lost, right? Because, like, as you know, you're a competitive person, you're playing a strategy game. It's like, oh man, I lost. I got to keep playing. I want to beat somebody. I, I want to feel that, that satisfaction of winning. Right. And I want to earn it and not just be handed it, not have it handed it to me right out of the gate. Now, again, 
this is this can be solved with just like an analytical exercise. And I'm sure that the 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 results support the case for making people win early on. But I, I just like intuitively, maybe that that's just it's just not intuitive. It's doesn't it's, it doesn't comport with how you view the world as a PM or whatever. Yeah, I, no, I would imagine those people that are super competitive like that just blow through the bots so fast that they are, are they are probably at a competing level pretty early, right? You know what I mean? Like a more, so I don't know. I'm sure, you, but I, I agree. I'm sure PM is just analyzing the crap out of the shit. Right, yeah, it's just an A-B test and, and this is the winner of the A-B test. Oh, absolutely. So to that, to that point, yes. So what I've seen is that when, when, certain player types lose and they lose in some sort of, uh, 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 I guess, um, competitive, competitive style des- like design feature. Usually the more losers you make, the more likely they are to replay. That's, that just, that just happens. And I would say depending on, there's going to be a certain point once you, once you release the game, yeah, you're going to need some wins to make, you can't, li- you can't lose off the bat. You're going to need some wins to keep them hooked, but then you're going to have to make it more so that they need to work harder for it. That, that is definitely a design choice, but um, but for this, what I find interesting is I can't view my stats, so that doesn't. I well, please tell me I'm wrong if you have your stats, but I could not find any anywhere where I could see how many wins and losses I've had. But it doesn't actually seem like losing. Um, it's kind of like how Supercell does it, where you lose, you actually um, you revert in your progress. I actually don't see that here. I've, the one match I've lost, I didn't seem to lose anything for it. So I don't know. I think they made some interesting choices that to me feel a little, a little casual and they're not leaning enough into how, what I think that a midcore player would want from based on the other games or similar games. Um, so oh, my take, oh, based on the numbers, you know, like obviously it's really early. So some of these data might be adjusted later, but because it's not in the top five, usually this data could be reliable uh, for downloads and revenue. So, they have like 4 million downloads with about 1.8 million in revenue, which actually is a really decent start, I would say. Uh, RPI is like 43 cents, and in the U.S. it's a buck. Um, so the only thing that concerns me, and this is going to be the, the theme of my thinking on this, is that the RPI kind of indicates, particularly places like Korea and Japan, where it's only like a dollar, which sounds like a lot, but <clears throat> in those countries, if the spend depth is there, it could be like 2 or $3 easy, right? So if they're not spending, if the Japanese and the Koreans who spend like you know drunken sailors on games, um, then that could indication. That's a good indication that there is not a lot of spend depth here. Um, but again, this is a really innovative. I, I I've been really close to this for a while because I'm good friends with some people there and I've been in Alpha, so I, I, I kind of knew that they were going to try to do something a little bit more <clears throat> innovative uh, around more of a cosmetic style economy as opposed to pay to progress, pay to, pay to win type thing. Um, but, uh, but basically in essence, you basically pay to progress by unlocking cards and, and upgrading cards and you get to different tiers, which unlock additional cards and then actually additional higher tiers to get. Another. So it, 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 it's a, it's a similar system, except that you're, it's all base. It's all cosmetic in, 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 in my understanding Clash Royale is more like you upgrade your, your cards to get get more benefits, basically a pay to win mechanic where you get more benefits when you when you when you fight others. Um, but uh, I guess my concern again, and this is part of the design choice, so is that this might be a disconnect for hardcore players, right, who are used to upgrading their cards 
to beat the comp- uh, opponents, right? They, you know, buying currency to build by, you know, cosmetic upgrades, is kind of a disconnect, right? And then only to get a, a new, like, slow drip of new cards uh, going forward. Um, so while I think this is a really player-friendly type monetization scheme, which kind of hides a gotcha-style mechanic around these cosmetic upgrades, um, but without a lot of, like, spend depth in terms of upgrading cards and, and upgrading power and upgrading your ability to be competitive, I think it might be a tough, uh, tough to monetize, to scale monetization over time. So. I agree with that. And also with these cards that you get, half of them have certain abilities. So now if you're, if the, if the progression is going to be the number of cards you have, this is going to be just an enormous amount of deck management. Cause you have to know what abilities they are, how they're going to, how they're going to work together when you're, when you actually are in a round, which ones you want to take, which ones you're you're comfortable using, which ones are going to be best for those um, for the for the board buffs, anti buffs, the ones that that change the variety of gameplay in the round, and it's just I, that means their their content treadmill is new cards. So then it's it's going to be I would I would struggle then to feel like I always had the best deck if I'm now trying to balance a portfolio of oodles of cards, right? So I think that's going to be they're going to have to figure out a way to manage that. Right. And to be try to be clarify this point. So with loot boxes and increased rarity, you can build like almost exponential spend depth, right? Because you just basically you decrease the rarity for the cards that people want, right? Right. In this this thing, they kind of unlock automatically or they drip to you. Um, so there is some spend depth there, but not the, not nearly the same as what you could do with with uh, traditional loot boxes. Um, again, it just seems like this method is far more linear than, than, than traditional loot boxes. But again, this day, this will show over time, right? We don't know what kind of live ops things they're going to do. We don't know what kind of spend up they may add later. Right. And I know my, my Matt is probably telling me saying you're an idiot, Eric, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> we got this figured out type thing. So I'm sure I'm going to get a, a, a nasty email from him next week or next, when this launches, but um, but but it'll be really obvious to see how how they build that out through the data over time. I'm rooting so. for the game. I actually I actually like it. And um, if if they are doing it so that I am playing bots in the beginning, please continue that because I do like winning. So I'm a thumbs up. So we'll keep an eye on it then and see how it how it changes over time. Yeah. I mean, the the good news about this game is it is easy to pick up and play, um, and it's not as as complicated and confusing as some of the other games in the genre um and that that's good i think <clears throat> we'll just see if this the uh the lower spend depth is 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 successful over the long term and keeps players engaged you know uh according um all right anybody else all right uh ea uh so ea basically announced a new sim game in development finally right they announced this thing uh it's code code name project renee i think right anyway um and it was, they had like this Sim Summit and they kind of described this. But obviously the, the big new feature is something that seems so obvious <laughs> right now. Like the fact that they haven't done this, I think it's been the last eight years since we've seen the last Sims. But uh, basically they're going to, the big feature is going to be like you play and you collaborate across, you know, multiple platforms. So it's going to be cross-platform collaboration, share your, share your things. The details were a little bit scarce in any way, but 
it's not like full multiplayer like MMO style thing, but it, but I think it seems like it has really cool potential. Um, and 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 part of it, like just the inside baseball stuff, is this is a team that's been together for fucking decades, you know, at Redwood Shores. And the problem is that like trying to innovate and change things, it's like this innovator's dilemma because it's a super cash cow that makes hundreds of millions of dollars a year through like expansions, et cetera, et cetera. But um, but do you really want to, you know, change that, change that and give it a new game that may cannibalize that existing sales? And then like, what team is going to be able to do it? It's like, it's like a political quagmire at EA. It's always been that way with, with this particular franchise. So uh, it, it's a few years away, um, but, but it, they are working on it. And it, I think it's going to be pretty exciting and something that's kind of like long overdue to try to, uh, take advantage of the creator economy and social, like everything about everything we talk about in terms of the metaverse type thing is, is basically just like right, you know, in the Sims wheelhouse, like just from just the brand itself. So I think that's. I I completely agree. I I wish if they get this moderately right, I think they could clean up here. I mean, just using, I remember with the, with the creator, when the old Sim games, you could create different houses that you could put on their platform and then other people could download them. There was, that was huge. So I think that if they if they can offer even a, f- a fraction of what like Minecraft or Roblox is offering and for for creators, I think this would this is going to do really. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm kind of excited to see what they can do. All right, the next thing, Microsoft Microsoft wants to make an Xbox store for mobile. I I am constantly amazed at coverage of this bullshit. Right, I, I, it's crazy that this. This got any coverage whatsoever. So this was something that was written in a document to try to defend, um, uh, you know, the transaction in in the UK, right? And and the notion that they are going to create some kind of store within the store on Apple and Google is fucking preposterous, right? Why this got any type of press whatsoever? It blows me away. All they are trying to do is defend their position on this acquisition with the CMA. Uh, the, the the UK rating uh, UK board, um, and they're just making an argument probably to defend that. But but the fact that there's no fucking way that Apple and Google are going to allow Microsoft to have a competing store on their platform. So I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Eric. I mean, this just seems like ridiculous. This whole this whole coverage of this like small little snippet in this big document. You got me. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not super aware. I, I didn't. I'm reading it just like literally right now. I, I didn't see this, um, but I think you're right. It's just, hey, this will actually make the ecosystem more open, right? Because as a result, we're going to create a store, and there's going to be more choice. That's not the case. They're never going to get the store published. Now, again, I'm just reading this now. I don't know what the actual intention of this is, but if the idea is that they're going to publish an Xbox store on iOS, yeah, that's just that. That's that's. Yeah, that's just a non-starter. There's no way they could do that. Yeah, but the and, and what but again, what bugs me is that, that this was given credence and credibility from the get-go, you know, by how it was covered with these huge headlines about Xbox new store on the on mobile. That, that's not happening. Don't be an yeah. idiot. Don't don't fall for this crap. All right. Anyway, well, they speaking also, of so, but there's a there's just to quickly uh, make the point. There's a, a history of Microsoft making these kinds of arguments, right? And they did, you know, kind of lay out what, like the, the 10 tenets or the 12 tenets of like an Xbox uh, 
economy, right? And it was basically the exact opposite of the way the iOS app store is run. Right. right um, and right. they've been trying to make the case that like, no, the approach that we would take if we are able to sort of build the foundation for this business is that we'd be much more open than the app store. It's going to be an open economy. We're going to take less of a cut. We're going to, we're going to allow sideloading, all that kind of stuff. Um, so I think this is more just messaging and positioning um, and kind of continuing that narrative. And I think to your point, it's a tactic to get this acquisition pushed through. Right. I think it's probably yeah. less yeah. realistic than it is just ambitious. Right. And, and uh, uh, narrative driven. And and then my last outrage um, was uh, <laughs> Apple has kneecapped all NFT related game functionality and wants thirty percent all of all sales. So when we said this in the podcast a few weeks ago that Apple wants their thirty percent for all transactions related to NFTs and and any functionality around that NFTs, the feedback was like, oh no no no, this is just for the initial sale. You know that you'll be able to use NFTs the way you want. This isn't going to destroy our ecosystem. Yes, it will. Right? Yes, it will. And they basically said it in their terms of service that apps will not will not use their own mechanisms to unlock content or functionality such as license keys, augmented reality markers, QR codes, cryptocurrencies, or crypto wallets, etc. So ultimately, they're not getting. An ounce of flesh, they're getting a pound of flesh. And, you know, this is the way yeah. this shit works, right? And so if you think that NFTs and blockchain is going to be some kind of immune to platform fees, you're out of your minds. All you out, are, yeah. out of your minds that are talking about this. And Apple is going for the fucking jugular, which completely, I think, just makes NFTs on that platform completely useless, right? It's just like, a, it, it, it's just... Anyway, and, and and sure, they are they budge, but this is where they stand, and they're not they're not going to budge easy, right? And they've been holding steady with this thirty percent for a while. And actually, that's yeah. kind of my next question to you, Eric, is that I keep getting questions about you know are they going to be budging on this thirty percent? Which I've I've actually in the past thought that they might, but I haven't heard any indications that there's any headway on that side of it either. But anyway, I, I actually I want you to comment on the NFT stuff because I think it's fascinating that people had some kind of notion that this would, they'd be a, a, a immune from this, but. Um, well, you, you know what? I, I think the great irony here, NFTs were touted as the tip of the spear for crypto, right? Like we can get people excited about NFTs. We can get people excited about, uh, you know, uh, generated art. Uh, and, and we can get people excited about digital asset ownership. Um, through NFTs and that will precipitate broader mass market interest in crypto. And what happens if all NFTs did was just create a new opportunity for Apple to monetize and <laughs> further, uh, further sort of uh, congeal, uh, you know, its status as like the primary point of interaction with anything digital. What if you just handed Apple a concept and say, hey, look, we proved this out. We built some initial momentum and some traction, not much, but a little bit. Now you take it and run with it and monetize the shit out of it. Because that's exactly what's going to happen. Apple's saying, yeah, yeah, we like the NFT stuff. Decentralization, nah, that's stupid. But we'll take the NFT stuff. We'll bake it into the iOS experience. And we'll take a cut out of the entirety of the value chain, not just the original sale and minting. Right? Yeah. It's like, thanks. Thanks for proving this out for us, community. Apes. Thanks, apes. 
thanks for proving this out for us. We'll take it from here. We're going to integrate it into the iOS ecosystem. It's going to be centralized. It's going to be gated. And we're going to take our cut. And thanks a lot for proving it out for us. Because we don't have the, the experimental R&D team that's going to go and do that, right? That would be the ultimate irony. Um, but let me just, I want to tie this to another Apple policy change because I think they're related, right? So in the same, so Apple updated the App Store developer guidelines with iOS 16.1. You know, this NFT proclamation was part of that. Another uh, update was them saying that um, any sort of like social media boost, if you boost a post in the app, if you're in the Facebook app, Instagram app, and you, you, you make a post and you decide, I want to see more, I want to have more people see this, you can boost it right there in the app. And you pay to do that. It's basically creating an ad out of that uh, post. Apple said, that's, that's got to be an IAP. You have to pay for that with an IAP or the user has to pay for that with an IAP because it's like a consumer facing product, essentially. And we're going to take our 30 percent cut. Right. It was, it, and so it's Apple saying and I think all of this is in response to, hey, you know what? People say the epic trial was really like a mixed outcome. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. This benefited <laughs> Apple. And maybe it even slowed that whole process down, like the whole opening up that. I mean, I was really excited about it. Things have slowed down a little bit. We'll see what happens with some of the legislation. But I just want to read the Apple quote in response to, um, you know, some, some people inquiring about that policy change. And, but this goes to the heart of the NFT thing too. So I'm just going to quote uh, this Apple employee, uh, uh, spokesperson Peter Adjamian. For many years now, the App Store guidelines have been clear that the sale of digital goods and services within an app must use in-app purchase. Boosting, which allows an individual or, an or, or organization to pay to increase the reach of a post or profile, is a digital service. So, of course, in-app purchase is required. This has always been the case, and there are many examples of apps that do it successfully. Now, that's not – that doesn't – you take boosts out and replace it with NFT minting, right? Take boosts out and replace it with anything. Uh, E-commerce. Like, Apple just gave itself – broad authority over everything that happens within an app so long as the facilitation um and the delivery uh is digital right now that opens the door to apple taking a cut on a lot more things like they seem to be totally emboldened now right it, it, far far from being you know scared and giving up ground they're emboldened to take more and more right to take cuts from more and more transactions nfts boosts What's next? Booking travel? Now you could say, well, that's not fulfilled digitally, but Apple, who knows? I mean, Apple might say, look, you booked it digitally uh, and, and therefore it's a digital product, it's a digital service, and we need to take our cut, right? Like Apple seems emboldened to take cuts from more and more transactions now. Now, one of the questions here is, is this because, you know, Morgan Stanley's reporting, App Store revenue is down in September, right? Maybe this is just a response to like, hey, we've got we've to find more revenue. We've got to squeeze more revenue out of the App Store. But nonetheless, I mean, I, I just feel like Apple's going to take money from anything that it sees that, as being yeah. the and, result of its platform. Right. And, and uh, sorry, this is like the more broader thing that I've been trying to get across is that these having access to such a large platform is going to cost you money. Right. Like you, you these you know, all these different things we're talking about, whether it's, you know, NFTs, blockchain or, you know, uh, the metaverse, all these like new technologies and stuff are all limited by the reach that you have for the platform that you're trying to create, right? And so in order to get access to a platform like Apple, which has a 
gajillion devices out there or Google, you're going to have to pay, right? And it's not like any technology that you're building is is going to uh, change that, like, <laughs> that, sorry, change that fact, you know? And, and so, anyway, so, like, this 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 great holy grail of NFTs and blockchain is as to, you know, completely separate from the, the rest of the, the ecosystem and in its own, like, you know, little island, it doesn't work, right? Because you need access to these platforms that have have reach, you know? And so, um, you know, and they're going to get their, again, pound of, a pound of flesh on, on, on and any transaction related to this stuff. Um, and so hope, hopefully, I mean, honestly, I, I still am of the mind that Apple is still acting in bad faith, right? Right, where, where um, the 30% is a ridiculous fee. And I, I will argue that to the, my 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 as until i die you know like this 30 percent is ridiculous but <laughs> they're gonna take something right um yeah. and so hopefully hopefully that gets sorted out but uh yeah you know good job i, I wish yeah i kind of wish ethan was here he had some issue but with his family but like i really under want to understand like you know can you sustain an economy where you're trying to actively have a secondary trading economy around nfts or 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 digital any type of you know digital ownership with Apple taking thirty percent of the clip right like what is the value of an NFT is that every transaction you're taking thirty percent out right zero right I mean right so yeah well especially when there's a minting cost too I mean I guess that's yeah, not as high like, anymore so uh, yeah I want to understand that from uh, from a, a a game maker perspective as to you know how this would impact. Uh, the potential and and then you know they'll probably say oh, well the viability will be on web which just doesn't have those type of fees et cetera et cetera but that, you know, that's just a smaller opportunity right that's a smaller well, yeah payout. and also but, 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 yeah but it, why hasn't it been right bitcoin's like yeah. 14 years old like yeah. i mean you know what i mean like it's yeah. it, the web's existed it's here it's there you can use it now but what i've seen on twitter is it seems to be, there's like a rift in the crypto community some people see this as like a good thing right it's like well okay but this is going to lead to mass adoption Right. You have to get on these platforms if you want to reach this big audience and they have to make it easier to adopt. And it's like, well, but that's an argument against all of this stuff in the first place. Like if you need to utilize this centralized system and aggregation of audience and eyeballs, then, then, then you're sort of making the fundamental argument against the entirety of the crypto project. It's, and so like once you've made that deal with the devil, you can't really go back. <laughs> Yeah, sorry. That's that's kind of what my point was too. Is that, yeah, you're you're not going to be able to avoid it, right? You're not going to build your own platform and product and experiences. It, that's a very very hard thing to do, as Google knows from Stadia and 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 you know, Ouya and you know every other person has tried to do some build platforms. Um, so anyway, I, 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 this is an interesting thing. I mean, I'm. We'll see how it all kind of evolves and whether the, some of this legislation, which seems to be held up in, in Europe uh, against Apple. So maybe that stuff will come to bear and then they'll, they'll have to loosen up these. That's my Crest, do you hear it as well? It's like robot voice. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't want, how can you have a bad internet connection in this day and age in the US? He's in Austin, right? Anyway. Um, all right. We'll, we'll have him back for the SCAD thing, but I'm going to do, do Snap real quick. Um, so Snap <laughs> announced its earnings and holy crap, dude, like, you know, the stock was already down 80 and it was down like 30% um, 
after hours. Uh, actually, it actually sprung back up a little bit afterward. They basically said that their their revenue grew like six percent year over year, um, but it missed analyst expectations by a little. Uh, their net loss widened a bit, um, and and their their daily average users grew nineteen percent, but their uh, ARPU declined eleven percent, which is just not good <laughs> for for the thing. But the fundamental problem with these guys, well, oh, first of all, and they finally. I mean, they've been admitting more so than others that their 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 headwinds are related to, you know, competition from TikTok, um, but also from AT and T, right? You know, the fact that Apple is just completely screwed over everybody in the system, right? Um, and, and 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 so they were one of the first ones to admit this, but now I think it's kind of common and understood that that AT and T is really messing them up. Um, but but. The, the, the fundamental problem with what Snap has been doing is that they're just not being transparent about what, what things are happening. So they keep giving guidance that they're not making. And so when you do that, people get freaked out. And so in this earnings, they didn't give Q4 guidance. And it's like, well, <laughs> that creates too much confusion and, 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 and frustration with investors. And so Anyway, it just feels like the step, they have not they uh, they do not have any control over their business. They don't have any uh, visibility into what's happening, and basically they're at a razor's edge because they just are not managing Wall Street's expectations well enough, and they are continuing to basically underperform their under their own revised expectations. Um, and so, anyway, the stock is overall it's down like ninety percent, and and the, you know it's up a bit. From the you know from when it got crushed uh, over the last earnings, but I think that'll probably change today with some of the uh, announcements around Google and and, and Microsoft. Um, I guess at the end of the day, it's like th- their revenue continues to to just to decelerate, and they're having more and more competition from from TikTok, and I it's unclear as to how they're going to basically pull this out and 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 continue to be you know successful and grow earnings. Um, as a publicly traded company and perhaps, uh, yeah. And so earnings, uh, by the way, earnings season is, is starting right now. And so snap is one of the early ones and we saw Microsoft and Google, uh, which didn't, did not look great. Um, and so we'll see how all these guys respond, um, you know, to the headwinds that we see, uh, and then also for, for snap, the other big issue is, is, Fundamentally, when we start going into recession, people pull back on spend. And one of the things that the the, uh, the spend that they pull back on is ad advertising. So that could be impacting them as well. Um, and it, I mean, to the extent that, but for 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 Snap, I think it's just more ATT is is the big rub. So one thing on, one, one thought on snap snap snapchat's a tough one because they are i think i'm pretty sure it's a social platform of choice for younger people hands down younger people and they're obviously taking a lot of features from uh what's working in in tiktok and short form video and what's working for instagram but it's it's not i don't think it's the hub that they i don't think enough people consider it the hub of where they're going to go for their entertainment and where for their social um, I, I just, I don't know how you age up snap to get more, to get older people using it. That's, 
they're always going to run into that problem. They're, I think that is going to be one of their, their biggest challenges. Um, and I would almost look at, I feel like they should be looking at almost WeChat for inspiration um, and seeing what, what they can do to like integrate payments or anything else. Otherwise they're just going to, it's going to be stuck as kind of like this very young sort of messaging app that has some sort of content in the form of what's working for the most popular uh, social social platforms that are out there. And yeah. I, it, it's and, and they're, yeah, they're having the same problem as Roblox in the sense that they are growing outside of the US, right? So they're growing in the rest of the world, which inherently has lower ARPUs for advertising as well as any type of in-app stuff. Um, so while their daily users are growing, what, 20%, I think, year over year, the fact is that the mix is is outside of the US or tier one English. And that always creates declines, declines in, in, in revenue. revenue. Yeah, let me just, I'll make one point on Snap, which is um, I think they haven't acknowledged the, 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 the true impact of ATT, right? They keep saying macro, 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 but that just doesn't make sense anymore. Netflix beat, why did Netflix beat? Right. Omnicom Beat, which is a big marketing agency holding company, uh, WPP. It's another big uh, marketing advertising conglomerate. They beat today. They updated their Q4 guidance. There is no broad digital advertising downturn. It's a social media digital advertising downturn that's caused by ATT. There is no. Yeah, there's macro. There's macro factors here, but it's war in Ukraine, really, really high inflation in Europe. Right. That's it. Um, you know, U.S. consumers are not pulling back and spend. These other big advertising agency holding companies are increasing guidance for Q4. They're beating. So why is Snap talking about macro? Why is, you know, YouTube just hit, missed yesterday? Like all the social media platforms that you'd expect to be hurt really badly by ATT have been hurt really badly. And they're not even mentioning ATT. Someone on the Snap call, an analyst asked Evan Spiegel, how are you... Uh, rebuilding your ad tech as a response to ATT. I mean, he didn't say ATT, but he said Apple's privacy changes. And Matt, and Spiegel rambled on for like two minutes about macro. He wouldn't even acknowledge the existence of ATT. And then he was at the w, uh, the Wall Street Journal had a conference today. He's saying we like ATT. We think it was oh the right God, thing to God. do. That's He said that a year and a half ago. He said it today. He said, we think ATT is the right thing for Apple to be doing. We support any sort of improvement to user privacy. So to your point, they have not, they, they, they're not, the narrative is just detached from reality and everyone knows it, right? And they can't even acknowledge, they can't even say the words ATT. And it's a problem at this point. And so I think like, yeah, everything you said is right. Like, you know, the growth is coming from APAC. You know, US growth was totally anemic. Um, but the thing is, when you look at, hey, Dow was up 19% year over year, right? Revenue is up 6%. Well, what does ATT do? It hurts ARPU. Right. It hurts the average advertising revenue per user. Right. Because the ads are less targeted. And so they're worth less. And so people bid less to get them in front of people. So that's exactly what you'd expect ATT to do is what's happening now. And they're all saying macro, 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 where these other advertising, you know, big agencies and, and other companies that that are not in, that would not be impacted by ATT, but would be impacted by a pullback in consumer spend are beating you know, United Airlines beat. Where's the recession? People are traveling more than ever. Yeah. Okay. Let's do the SCAD thing. Um, I'm actually really interested in what you're thinking about uh, how, how. 
So I think the big story was SK Ad Network 4.0 is, you know, we, we don't know anything concrete yet. It just got basically released with iOS 16.1. We don't have any data yet. It's too early. We don't know um, whether it's going to perform materially better than 3.0 because it's too early. I think it will, but it's too early. We don't know. So, I mean, anybody that's making any big pronouncements, I think, is jumping the gun. What I would say, though, is there's a couple of interesting things. Um, to note about the release. First of all, people were saying, I think it's going to get delayed because they haven't released any documentation yet, right? The fact that they, that Apple had not released documentation yet was probably a signal that they were going to delay the release or they were maybe going to do a beta release in Q4, but not a full release. But that's not what they did. They released the documentation at the same time that they actually released the update, right? That's wild because no one got advanced notice. From what I can tell from like the pretty bland, generic, blog posts that these, you know, ad tech companies are posting about 4.0, they had no advanced notice. They didn't get to test it. They didn't even get the documentation, right? So that's, I think, an interesting tidbit. Um, and that probably includes, you know, Facebook and Snap would be my guess. Um, so when we talk about the implementation, I mean, this is a big change. It's going to take months, six months, maybe. So we're not talking about like full adoption till probably Q2, Q3 next year. Like, this is not a near-term thing. I mean, if these companies didn't get advanced notice, they didn't even get the documentation ahead of time, then they're not going to be able to adapt their systems, uh, you know, quickly. I mean, it's going to take a long time. The other thing is that there, there is a little – there was a substantive change to the system that was not really reflected in what they announced when they revealed this, which is they've not only kept the random timer, which we knew because they said that at the time that they were going to keep the random timer – but they made it much longer for the second and third postbacks. So now it's like up to six days, six days of a delay uh, for getting the postback for the, for the postbacks two and three for the second and third attribution windows. That's a long delay. Now, I don't think that that fundamentally changes the value of that data. Um, and I think that's actually not that big of a deal, but it does show that, look, Apple's not like all in on improving this. They still are going to, you know, apply some constraints and apply some restrictions where they feel that it's necessary to not make it like the dream solution for marketers, but to, uh, but to sort of like dilute the effectiveness of it, right? And so that kind of calls into question, you know, how, how much further they're really willing to go, right? If they can't even really just give you the second and third postbacks with like even the same level of delay as you get the first postback, it really calls into question how much further they're willing to go to make this like a really effective tool. Uh, but those are kind of my main takeaways. I would say we don't know enough yet to say yes or no. It's a, it's a meaningful improvement. And also like they did water down some of the new functionality from what they sort of announced. And so I'm, I kind of am curious about if they're actually willing to, to continue to improve this. So in layman's terms though, basically if it's a delay in postbacks, it just means that the, the e efficacy of, of, of um, attribution is, is lower, so you can't really react in real time. Is that kind of what, what does it mean? That, that what, if, if they if, did it in two days versus six days, like what does that mean? Yeah, it's just, it's just how quickly you can respond to that data, that input, right? So right, right. the longer the, the delay, the, 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 the less... Uh, the, the longer your campaign is running without your knowledge of the actual performance. Um, and so the slower you will be to optimize it. Now, the argument they would make is that, you know, we really need to obfuscate um, the users that are doing these things. Cause if we don't, we made it real time 
then you could just look in your own data and you could say, okay, this user did this thing. And then we got a post back from someone that did that thing. And they were at the same time or like milliseconds apart. And so I can connect them, but you don't need six days to, to achieve that obfuscation. You could probably do that with one day or two days. And that's what the, the delay is for the post back one. And so it's just, you know, they kind of, they, it, it, what, what kind of irks me about this is because they, they didn't say anything about a delay when they announced it. And it's like, they got everyone excited about the additional data. And it's like, yeah, but we're going to apply this very, you know, significant delay to when you get it. And it's like, well, okay. So, you know, the, the, you're giving me something, but you're also sort of like diluting it relative to, to what you actually proposed in the first place. Um, and, and so it's okay. You're not really, to my mind, you're not really all in on improving this tool. You're very much trying to like, Give us as little as you possibly can. They're just throwing you a bone, basically, is what's happening. And how about like uh, um, the fingerprinting? Any any type of indication of what's happening with fingerprinting stuff? I mean, I could go on for an hour about that. I I would say no. There's no there's no concrete indication. I will say, look, I do. It, it, this is more just symbolic gesture stuff. I, I do. Scanner 4.0 is undeniably better than 3.0. They're giving you more tools. Now, it's not as good as what everyone was hoping for when they announced it, but it's undeniably better. But, you know, there's still some things that we're yet to see. We don't know what the private, what the uh, crowd anonymity definitions are. If they're much more onerous, then maybe there is no benefit at all, right? They just gave you a lot more complex tool, um, but that ultimately doesn't improve the performance because their definition of privacy got even more strict. But we'll see. We just don't know yet. That's, that's my point today. Because we just don't know yet it's too early. Okay. All right. Well, we'll keep tracking. And we'll keep tracking uh, Marvel Snap. See how that does. Um, anyway, that's it for this week. Uh, sorry, there's a little bit of uh, technical glitches. But we'll hopefully have, have Ethan back to talk about this new policy from Apple as well regarding NFTs. So that should be interesting. Um, anyway, until uh, next week. Talk to you guys soon.